0: Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message.
1: Our goal in this series was to awaken you, me, us as a church, uh, back to the truth, That our God doesn't abandon us, that he doesn't leave us alone, that he doesn't hope that we make it, that he actually comes alongside. And the God of the great miracles works miracles in the believer's lives every day. And so we're hoping to till up that ground. And I'm going to keep pushing on it until you go, I believe he's doing miracles in my life. And I'm going to stand for it. And I'm going to keep pushing and tugging and tilling and ripping until you finally get there because I believe that what we saw in the New Testament Where even their shadows were healing people. That I believe that the same God of the New Testament is the God of today. And the same believers that existed and served God in those days can be like, uh, we can be like them today. And we can see the supernatural in daily occurrences. In fact, we're seeing them. I mean, we're seeing miracles after miracles after miracles. We got a report. And I've been asking you to send in some of the things that God's been doing. We got a report a couple weeks ago. One of our members uh, got a terrible phone call. That terrible phone call that you don't want to get. That his daughter and his grandkids were in a terrible car accident, they were in ICU, and that they weren't given his daughter uh, very much chance to survive. That gentleman called his small group leader. They agreed. They cried out in faith. They felt as though God had shifted something. And by the time they got to the hospital, something had shifted. That woman survived it, and she's in recovery today. The God of miracles. One of our couples in the beginning of this year lost one of their lost their baby. Um, they were pregnant, and that child passed away in the womb, and uh, God's favor and blessing came upon them, and a few months back, they found out they were pregnant again, and they went and did their sonogram test at the certain times they're supposed to, and the doctors told them that baby's not alive either, so can you imagine the tragedy that this couple in our church has been going through? Miss Jamie a couple weeks ago was preaching about imagining and seeing that faith is connected to us picturing that God can do beyond what the situation is, and she gave a storyline of Anna Karen, one of our worship uh, pastor in our Mansfield campus, and how after she lost that baby, that Jamie began to dream with her and begin to believe with her and begin to believe that the next child uh, would live, and uh, and that and that woman said she was sitting there listening to that testimony, she took it, and she said so be it, let it be so, and she went to our encounter a couple weeks ago and said. You You guys lay hands on us. They laid hands on what's supposed to be her tummy, what's supposed to be a dead baby inside. And she said the moment they laid hands on her, something shifted, something happened. She felt it. She sensed it, went to the doctor the next week, and they said, oh, my goodness, this child is alive. We serve the God of miracles. He is the God of Miracles. You say, "Well, that didn't happen for me when I prayed for Grandma." Friend, let me tell you something. He's still the God of Miracles, and we're gonna see this thing happen in our daily life. In fact, our key scripture for the entire series, I keep quoting it to you. It's found in Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. Jesus said it like this: He said, "With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible." Would you say that with me? All things are possible. Say it again. All things are possible. And so we've been going through the different understandings. I'm trying to help you hit from every angle that he loves you and he works miracles in your life and I'm helping you see everything from learning to imagine and see that's connecting to your faith to actually letting him and realize he's speaking to you in your dream life. We went last week into understanding some of the things that we're dealing with are the forces of evil that there is an assignment by the enemy. He has has an assignment against your life trying to destroy you and if you don't understand how to engage in the spiritual realm, that it's going to affect you in the, in the natural realm. And today, we're going to go a little bit more into something that I enjoy. In fact, I'm writing a book called Micro Miracles, but I'm actually titled today's teaching, Guidance in the Everyday Stuff. Yeah. Guidance in the Everyday Stuff. I love how amazing God wows me here and there throughout the year. But there's this beauty in the everyday stuff that most Christians don't realize. In fact, most of us think that we just get through life the best we can, and if we have a major problem, then we cry out to God. He doesn't want to guide you in the midst of all the mess. He wants to back up and guide you before you ever get into that mess. He wants to guide you in the everyday stuff, like ah, what hair color should you choose? Come on, girlfriend, may attract the right guy. You never know. He's got this whole guidance thing that he wants to help you with in the everyday day stuff. And this is where it seems like we miss it. We, we think that God is some distant personality out there in the ozone layer that never engages with us because there's 7 billion people on the planet. No. He's your best friend. He enjoys the fact that you don't know if you should actually buy a Coke or a Dr. Pepper. Neither one. They're bad for you. Go Sprite. And he's right there trying to help you make those decisions and guide you. And you and I need to learn how to let the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords guide us. Are you there today? Say yes. Come on. you really there? Say yes he wants to help guide you on which plumber to call come on now he wants to help you decide which one to call for a sales uh a sales call and who not to call for a sale he will guide you and lead you and the bible says it like this is our key scripture in psalms 32 8 look what he says about us he says i talking about god i will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go i will guide you with my eye i will instruct you i will teach you i will guide you with my eye Can can you imagine getting so sensitive to God that he could guide you with his eye? You know what I'm talking about. Those of you that got kids, I guide my kids with my eyes all the time. like, they're like, ooh, we better stop doing that or I'll do this. And they're like, hi, Dad. We know we're not supposed to be in this conversation because they'll start trying to be in an adult conversation when they were real little. They come in and start throwing in their opinion. I just look at them. They're like, all right, guide me. With your eye, oh God. That is the prayer of of, of a Christian who really understands that God will take you and he will lead you in the paths of peace and excitement in everyday life and see everyday miracles in everyday stuff. We go through stuff all day long and sometimes we treat God like the big date night. God loves to have the big date night moments with you, but he also enjoys the everyday stuff. Are you there? Say yes. Look at this other passage in John chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The the, the Holy Spirit, when the moment you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came and abided in you. You, you, Back in the day, they used to always ask the kids in, 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 you know, kids' church, who lives inside of you? And the kids would go, Jesus, yes. That's not true. Jesus came in the form of a man. He died. He was buried. He resurrected. And the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. His spirit, the spirit of Christ, if you will, dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. That's who he sent to dwell in us. And so that's why once you became a Christian, you started feeling guilty about sin. Before you were a Christian, you didn't feel bad about stealing from people or, or punching somebody in the face who did you dirty or something like that, cussing somebody at one side. You didn't feel bad about it. you like, they deserve it, and I got more where that came from. But once you became a Christian, spirit the Lord came inside of me and he starts grieving you when you start acting like a fool. You start going, man, man, I just I just can't, I, I'll never forget the one guy said, man, I just can't get high anymore when I smoke dope. It's just not working and the Spirit of the Lord is at work in you because you're a believer and you're a follower of Jesus and he says he will guide you. He will show you which way to go. He won't even do it on his own but what the Father tells him to tell you and he will guide us and he will work with us. And then there are two sides to this whole guidance thing. Let me help you out a little bit here. There are two sides. And let's start with the first one. The first side of this whole guidance thing is when we initiate the conversation. Most of us are really good about that. Oh God, I'm in trouble. Help! But some of us are terrible at asking God for guidance. Because you're American. Yeah. And you think you know everything. Yeah. And you know what? You, your mama raised, you don't ask for help. Your daddy didn't ask nobody for help. That's why y'all stayed lost out in the country for years at a time. Because he wouldn't stop and ask anybody for help. Because some of you, that's just the way you were raised. You don't want to impose on anyone. You bring that into your Christian walk with the living God. And you don't ever ask. You don't ever ask for help. But look what Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Who receives? Who? Only the good Christians. No, nope, that's not what it says. Only the good Christians. See, that's your problem. Most of you think, well, I'm not good enough to even ask. Because I may, I sinned yesterday or the day before. Friend, you probably sinned on the way in here today. Just, just, All right, so just get past all that and recognize that you and I have been forgiven and that he is growing us and maturing us and we are, we're on a journey and we're getting a little closer to being like Jesus, a little closer to being like Jesus, a little closer to being like Jesus. He says, everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open and so you and i have to realize that part of this whole process is it starts with this when we initiate it when we say god i I need help and i don't know why we don't do that and let me ask you why do you only ask in the big moments once you've gotten yourself so far in trouble that you like a little child help i'm drowning what if you would have asked before you jumped in the pool for a little bit of help so you wouldn't drown and that's where I think we miss it. We miss it in the everyday stuff. We miss it saying, God, can you, before I even get going today, Lord, I know I've got to meet a certain quota in these cells today. Could you guide me? Can you come so I don't waste. Waste time being frustrated with folks who don't even want to buy our product? God, could you just could you guide me this morning as I'm driving to work? Could you guide me on what I'm supposed to do today as I engage in my business, as I go forward in what I do as an activity? God, would you guide me on what school to put my kids in and which one not? So I don't waste a whole year. God, could you guide me? Can you, if you ask, everyone who asks receives. This is a problem because our problem is in trusting and believing that he actually wants to guide us. And until we get past that, we're going to find ourselves circling some of the same mountains in our life. Like, well, I'm I back doing this all over again. Why do I still have a problem with this? Well, because you keep making the left turn when he keeps trying to say, if you took a right right there, you'd be a lot better. No, I like a left. Left, left works out for me. Okay, well, you keep circling that problem then. Hope it works out for you, buddy. And then here's the second side of this whole guidance thing, and that's when he initiates the conversation. first side, many times, and that's not order of importance, but many times it's when we initiate it. But there's another side of this whole guidance, and that's when He initiates it. This happens to me all the time. The Spirit of the Lord will just nudge me. I just feel like God wants me to do this or call this person or something like that. And when you and I engage in obedience to what He is initiating... Supernatural things happen so fast. It's unbelievable. Why? Because then what we're doing is we're aligning with what he's trying to accomplish in the day instead of trying to get him to align in what we're trying to accomplish today. And so that's what this whole guidance thing comes. He wants to guide you in the everyday stuff. He wants to guide you on what meal you're supposed to prepare. He wants to guide you on what doctor to pick. He wants to guide you in the everyday stuff. What channel to be on and what channel not to be on. What music to listen to and not to listen to. He wants to guide you in that because he loves you. Because he has a plan for you. Plans to prosper you, the the word of God says. Plans to advance you. And those of us who are learning to follow his guidance are those who are seeing the daily miracles and the supernatural experiences. Are you still there? Say yes. Can I give you a couple of biblical examples of this? Would that be okay? Can I share a couple of them with you? I love this passage in the book of Kings. First Kings, turn there with me. And this is a storyline about a woman, a widow woman the Bible calls her and her engagement with a man of God. And this widow woman has, according to this passage, has come to the end of her life. They're in the middle of a famine. They're in the middle of an economic downturn. She's she's lost her husband. She's got a child. She's got a she's a single parent, and she doesn't have any income source for whatever reason. Either she's lost her job, or just uh, because you know she she the, um she's been fired. Whatever the reason is, we don't know. We just know that she's without income, and she's like everyone else in the midst of this horrible, beyond a pandemic. They're in a horrible season kind of like the 20s here in the United States where there was no food and people were scrambling around and people literally were dying of starvation and look what it says it says that the prophet comes to her and he's sitting at the front of her city and uh, what? In, in Jewish times the Jews had this real culture of honor so if you went out um, uh, to, to get water at the well, you know they didn't have running water so they would go out and they would get water at the open well for every city, every little town, every little province had their little well and the people could draw water from it and, uh, and then they would go about their duties of their day, whether washing clothes or food or whatever you need to masonry work, whatever you need to water for. And so she goes to the well to get water and here's this traveling man of God has come and he's sitting there and he doesn't have a way to, they would have the little hook but he had no cup or anything so he said, well, could I have some of that? And she's blowing down her little bucket. He said, sure. She said, sure. He goes, listen, by the way, I'm, I'm really hungry. Now, do you mind uh, if, if, if I could have something to eat? And she goes, well actually, you know, I've got this little bit of um, flour left and what I was going to do was make a little cake and, you know, like a little, you know, flatbread, if you will, and eat it with me and my son, and then we're going to die. And he goes, I tell you what, if you would make that and give me some of it, I promise you God would take care of you. So let's pick up in verse 12. It says, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil. Elijah said to her, go home and make a small loaf of bread for me from what, uh, from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. They were in the middle of this famine thing. They hadn't had rain, so crops weren't growing. So she said, okay, I'll be guided by the Lord. And the man of God asked me to do it, so I'm going to do it. So she shared her little flour. And when he says a loaf of bread, he's talking about like a little pancake size. And she got hers, and the next day, that jar was full of, was full of flour and, and full of oil and our oil jar. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and it went on for months and months and months and months. Supernaturally, it began to keep filling itself up. Why? Because when we let God guide us, he supernaturally takes care of us. And you say, I don't even know how we're paying the bills right now. All I know was the Lord told me to give that car away. All I know is the Lord told me to be faithful to the tithe, and I just, it just keeps happening. I can't even explain it. There have been times in Jamie and I's life where I could not tell you where the money was coming from can not tell you. Can't tell you how it happened. It was was a little discount here all of a sudden and a a little forgiveness of a debt over here. And then then all of a sudden, you know, we got this sale. It was on sale. and And so next thing you know, someone brought us some groceries and it was just supernatural. Why? Because we were letting him guide us. How about this other moment? And I think this really connects with some of you guys in business where David had this moment where he was fighting against the Philistines in 2 Samuel chapter 5. And so David, had raised up an army, and they were fighting folks, and and the enemies of God, the Philistines, were attacking the people of God. And so David, a good strategic planner, a a guy who's been in many, many battles, he lined up the troops and was going to go about how to do battle like he had always done. Think about this. Some of you have always done business a certain way. And then the Lord speaks to him. Remember, there are the times when we initiate the conversation, and times he initiates, and God says to him, hey, I want you to try something different. David says, I'm sorry. He said, I want you to circle back around from behind them, and, uh, and I just want you to wait. on. Them. I know you don't have as many men as they do, so you're probably going to lose anyway. So why don't you try my little strategy thing? And David says, mm, okay. So let's pick up there. And verse 22 says, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley. So David inquired of the Lord. What did he do? He inquired of the Lord. He asked God for help. And God answered him. He says, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. Well, that's not a good strategic plan to to attack them in front of the poplar trees. Okay? Because it gives them more defensive uh, positions. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly. Because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way to Gibeon to Gezar. So So you got to get this. So he circles back around in in this kind of poplar tree grove, if you will. The the Philistines turned around, and God said, But the moment you hear the rustling in the tops of the trees, pull back. Because God said, Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my army. Come on, uh, have, you ever, have you ever seen those movies where all of a sudden the, 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 the angel army comes forward? And uh, I was thinking more like the ghost army, but don't do that. <laughs> but obviously, of you know, I was thinking all the, all the sci-fi movies and stuff. But, uh, and all of a sudden, David and them pull back, and God himself destroys the enemies of God. Because David said, yeah, I'll do what you said. I'll let you guide me. It doesn't make sense. It's not a practical way of doing warfare. I've never learned that in warfare school. Not sure if that'll work, but because you said it, Lord, I'll let you guide me. See, this whole thing comes to trust. And we have a hard time trusting God. I have a hard time trusting God. I really have a a difficulty at times like, is that you, Lord? Is that me? Is that the pizza I had last night? I mean, what is, like, I'm not sure if that's even you. And so even when I ask him sometimes, I think I ask him for help out of even insecurity, doubt, that he even will respond to me. And I think you and I have to get past that a little bit. And so I want to give you a couple thoughts that may help you, according to Scripture, may help you trust a little bit more and help you let him guide you in the everyday stuff. Can I give you some thoughts? Say yes. Yes. Come on, can I say yes? Yes. First thing I've learned to understand is this, is that his ways are higher. That's helped me trust him a little bit better. Because I've come to the realization his ways are higher, which means they make no sense to me, right? Right? His ways are higher. They don't even make any sense to me. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He thinks and is and exists so far out of our ability to understand, it makes no sense to us. So when he says, hey, go left right now, you're like, if I go left, that's going to cost me more time. He's like, go left, because he is higher, greater, and under, and that has set me free. As I have started saying, God, your ways are higher than my ways, I don't even get it, but I feel like if your word says to do it, I'm going to do it, even though it makes no sense. It makes no sense to my natural mind. It makes no sense to the way I do life, but I'm going to do it because you said to do it, and by letting him guide me, supernatural things happen in my life on a daily basis. It's unbelievable. His ways are so much higher. The other day, I, I sat in a meeting with a bunch of IT guys. And and so I just wanted them to fix something, right? And so they began, there were six of them, they began going back and forth and talking about the such and such and the SPO and the CK, CPR and the QRXZ. And I'm just listening and listening and listening like, Pastor Adam, do you, are you tracking with us? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And so I let them talk for about 30 minutes. And I, I'm a fairly intelligent person. I'm telling you, like, I know I might be from Louisiana, but I'm fairly intelligent. I mean... Yeah. So, and so usually I'm tracking, but man, they started talking about some things and moving in some things and why this doesn't work with this and this is. And I said, I just, I, I, at the end, about 30 minutes into it, I said, I, can I just ask you all a question? They said, yeah. I said, can you make it work? And they're like, yeah, we can make it work. I was like, good enough for me. Let me out of here. I trust you. Because their ways, when it comes to IT, was higher than my ways. And guess what I did? I submitted To their intelligence and their ability. And I just said, I trust you. I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I know you're gonna do it. I don't know what you're talking about, but you are awesome. Go do it. And they did it, and it's working, and I trust them. When are you and I gonna just say, Lord, I recognize your ways are higher than my ways? I don't get it, I don't have a clue what you're trying to do here, but I know very well your word says this, so I'm going to submit to it. I know very well that you're tugging at my heart to do that, even though it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to do it, Lord, because your ways are higher than my ways. Can I help you with the next thought that I've come to in Scripture? Say yes. Here's the second thing that I've learned about being able to trust him, and that is I come to the place where I recognize that his plans are better than my plans. His plans are better than my plans. Let me tell you something. I thank God that we didn't go with my plan. Because, see, I had a little girl in high school that I thought was the one. Like at 15, I knew what I was talking about. She was the one God had spoke to me. She's the one Ooh, I was in love with this girl. She was the one. In fact, to this day, Jamie always picks on me about that girl because I thought I was in love with this girl. God, thank you so much. He did not give me what I wanted, but he gave me what I needed, the best woman on the planet. He got rid of that one over there and said, good over there, girlfriend, you in the way. Give him this one right here. This is the one that was made for him. And I'm telling you, I live in joy and peace. And I'll tell you right now, I would have messed it all up. His plans are better than our plans. Are you, are you with me? His ways of, of, of getting us there are magnificent, but his plan, his end result for your life is better than anything you could come up with. The best you can dream about, the Bible says he can do above and beyond that. He has a plan for you that fits you. Have you ever been in the wrong position? Yep. Yes. Have you ever been in the wrong position? I, in, in, in high school, uh, my mom and dad decided to put me in a Christian school. I don't know why but they said that would make me better. And so I went from playing, you know, little league baseball and being really really good at baseball. Kind of be my sport that maybe I could play at a little small college. With. I mean, really good at baseball. They put me in this Christian school and the way they wooed me into this Christian school as, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old whatever it was, was they, "We're starting a baseball team." I said, "What?" Hmm. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll come over here. They started a baseball team. They were so bad, and no one had ever played before, I had to play catcher. I had been a shortstop. I was fast. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I usually would go three for three in batting. I mean, I would, I'd get on base. I'd steal every base. I, and now I'm playing catcher. I am not a big enough target for a guy who cannot pitch. Bottom line, come on, sports guys. Like, you need a big dude for a guy who can't even hit a, a small target. And here I am a little small. I'm playing catcher because I was the only person who even knew how to put on the equipment. I was the only person who owned a cup. I was the only guy who on the team who could play the position, and that and it's not my position. And I played it for a few months, and I hated it. Why? Because I wasn't made for it. See, many of you are living in playing positions that you weren't made for, but because your grandma said you should do it, or because some person in high school said that was what you'd be good at. And so you don't know the plans. He wants to guide you and lead you. His plans for your life are better than your plans. You keep saying, if only I'd make it rich. You would be miserable if you were rich because you got so many cousins and so many nephews that they would be knocking on your door all day long trying to borrow money. So it's good that you ain't got a lot of money. You say, I ain't got no money. I'm so happy. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you would be miserable if you were super skinny. You need more bump in your trunk. It makes you who you are. His plans are better than anything we could come up with. I love love this piece in Philippians 1 and 9. It says, and this is my prayer, that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That you'd be able to discern the best plan that God has for you. That you get involved in that. And if you, if you do, when you, when you get that, I have found my purpose in life. I am living the plan that God has for me. So no matter what happens, no matter who gets mad, no matter how much they blow up our country, no matter how terrible things are, I'm living the plan of God. So I'm at peace. I'm happy. It doesn't matter. I don't need big houses, small houses, nice cars, bad cars. It don't matter. Why? Because I'm in the plan. And in the plan is fulfillment. He has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you into that plan, and you and I need to learn to trust. So if you'll start with number one, you know what, God? I recognize that you are higher than me, that you're smarter. You understand what I can't never understand. My little 286 is not keeping up with your iPhone 12. So, Jesus, I just surrender to you. And then if you'll come back to that other, uh, recognize that, you know what, Lord? Your plans are better than my plans. Every time I come up with a plan, it's okay. But, wow, when you come up with a plan, it's perfect. And here's the third thing I would teach you and how to trust him. And that is when you and I learn that little can turn into much. Little turns into much. How about this passage? I love this in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. For if you are faithful in little things, you will end up being faithful in large things. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. That's the New Living Translation. I love one, one passage that says it like this. But if you're faithful in little, I can make you ruler over much. Yep. Yeah. See, God is constantly watching. You do. Would you trust somebody with a million dollars who cannot handle $100? No. You would never trust them. Like, where did all the money go? Well... I went and I bought this and I bought this. You're like, that's all frivolous. What are you doing? I would never entrust you with a million dollars because you can't be faithful with a hundred dollars. Do you recognize that God is watching you? And the more you and I let him guide us, the more he can entrust us with a little bit more and a little bit more. You, you said, I don't understand why my grandmother didn't get healed of cancer. Well, let's back you up. You didn't, even, you didn't even trust him when he tried to get you to turn left at the red light instead of turning right that ended up in a traffic jam. So it's the little things along the way that you and I learn to trust him and learn to let him guide us. That when we get into the big things, it's like David said when he faced the giant. He said, I've already killed a lion. I've already killed a bear. This big old giant ain't nothing but another step forward. It's no big deal. See, I've already had this little success and this little success and this little success and so I live my life every day having little moments of miracles with God throughout the day and little things, things that you wouldn't even think was significant. But for me, I recognized that was God. That was God that told me to go there and try that. I, I, I was talking to one of our great leaders the other day. He says, you know, pastor, ever since you started talking about believing for the best parking spots, he said, I started doing that. I said, God, I'm going to believe that you're going to lead me to the best parking spots when I go shopping. He says, and my kids get in the car now. And they're like, dad, God's going to do it. See, it's building their faith. He says, and you know what happens? We always get the one right up front. He he says, and sometimes I'll get there, and the one up front end ready says. So he says, I'll circle one more time because it's coming. He said, I'll circle, and there it is. They back out, and the kid's like, thank you, Jesus. And he's like, thank you, Jesus. It's the little, little trust moments. It's the little following and guidance that lead up to the big ones. So then when you get to a big one, you're like, I already know how to do this. I've already done so many little ones that when I get to the big ones. In fact, what if, what if most of, I, I believe this is what happens to most of us. Most of us get ourselves in so much trouble. We're doing our own thing, and we get in so much trouble. And I picture it like this. You've gotten so lost. You're so down in, in in inner city somewhere, down some off street. You have no idea where you're at. And then you realize, I'm about to get jumped. I'm about to get mugged because I ain't supposed to be here. And then you start crying out to God, go! and you want God to kind of airlift you out bring his giant helicopter pick up your vehicle and move you to a safe place and most of us that's when we cry out to God but what if what if God then says hey actually I would like to help you now I want you to back up I want you to take a left turn here and a right turn there and a right turn here and a left turn there See, we don't want that. What we want to do is be airlifted out of the situation we got ourselves in. But what if the whole relationship with the Father is more about learning to trust Him in every step of the way? And so instead of being extracted from your problem, what if God wants to teach you how to follow Him out of your problem? What if most of our issue is so much less about He doesn't love us and He doesn't have good things for us? And what if the issue is so much more about You got yourself into this, I want to help you get it out, but I'm trying to teach you to listen to me, to listen to my nuts, to watch my eyes. See, you cannot be led by his eyes if you're not looking at his face. That's where our problem is at. And so we're looking at ourselves in the mirror. We're looking at where we want to go. And we're never looking into his face to say, this way? Okay, good, this way. All right, got it, got it. Oh, no, don't go that way. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. Okay, don't go any further. All right, I trust you. Come on now. And because we don't do that, we find ourselves in major situations. And then we want emergency evac. And we we're mad at God because he didn't do emergency evac when really he's like, hey, listen, I love you. In fact, my bigger plan for you is to trust me. So how about you back the car up, go left right here, go right right there. No, I want, to be, I want to be taken out supernaturally. I want to be left. Where are you, the one who protects and saves? He's like, I'm trying. But you won't wake up every day and let me guide you out of the situation that you got yourself into. And then once you learn to get guided out of the situation, then you can be learned you can learn to be guided into the situation that is favor and his glory. I live in the favor and the glory of God and I take wrong turns all the time and I have to put that thing in reverse and back it out and I have gotten smart enough not to go too far down that wrong wrong direction before I recognize this ain't the right way Uh, help and he always, always guides me out. Why? Because those who ask will receive.
0: Hey guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you see, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. You can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey, guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.